0: Hello, and welcome back. Today we begin a whole new section of this class. We start ancient Egypt. The ancient Egyptians are, in the ancient world, considered the oldest continuous people, um, continuous civilization. They were considered old and great and wise and knowledgeable. The, The Greeks had thought that the Egyptians had discovered um, the 12 gods. Yeah, the Greeks called them by different names, but they were related to the Egyptian gods. They weren't different. They were um, the same gods and just a different guise. In fact, it was a part of the major mythology is that the Greek gods escaped to Egypt where they took on these new forms. So the Egyptians are a ma- majorly important people. They're going to be um, less urbanized than the Mesopotamians, and in many ways they're they're behind the Mesopotamians, but they have the advantage of stability in a way the Mesopotamians never had. The Mesopotamians had a very kind of... Well, it's the depressing, for us in the modern age, way of seeing the world. They viewed the world kind of as a harsh negative place where bad things happen all the time. And even their gods weren't very nice to them. The Egyptians, on the other hand, are a much more positive people in the way they see the world, in the way they interact with the world. Whereas the rivers in Mesopotamia were vaguely dangerous. You couldn't always trust them because they they flooded irregularly. You never knew what could happen. The great contrast between Mesopotamia and and Egypt is the flood story, the flood story that the Mesopotamian peoples have, whether it's Noah or um, the Babylonians or, you know, the story of Gilgamesh. The Mesopotamian story of the flood is that there's a flood and it kills everybody. The Egyptian stories of the flood is that it's great. It's life-bringing the flood is a good thing to the Egyptians. It's not, it's not something that wipes everybody out. And this has to do with their relationship to geography. It has to do their relationship to geography really change their attitude towards how they saw their place in the world. And where the Mesopotamians are cynical or at least wary of life and their existence, the Egyptians are much happier people. And so in this episode, we're going to start with geography, uh, then we'll do politics in the next several episodes, and so we'll, we'll basically do legitimacy in the different worlds, in the different periods, um, and that's what we'll do for Egypt. So, geography. The thing, there's two pieces of geography that matter in Egypt. Um, Well, let's start with where it's located, and then we'll get into the physical geography of the land. Egypt is Africa. It's northeastern Africa. It's where Africa connects to Asia um, through the Sinai Peninsula. Um, This spit of land, this triangle of land that that thrusts out into the Red Sea. Um, Egypt is Africa. It's not an African kingdom, though. Um, the Egyptians see themselves and other peoples, the Greeks and the Romans will see them as, as Egypt is something different. The Egyptians are something different. Um, they're more of a Mediterranean people than an African people. So like a sub-Saharan slash black Africa, if you were to go back to 19th century terms, um, the Kushite, the Sudanese, um. Ethiopians, as, as would be called in the ancient world, the, the people of Ethiopia, um, they're different. They're not, and we can see this in the art. They, they draw themselves, they paint themselves differently than um, the Africans who are to the Kushites, to the Nubians who are to the south of them. Uh, in our textbook, we there is a painting of King Tut. Um, waging war against, I believe it's the Nubian tribe, and you could see they they do not they in the art King Tut is very different in his in his body than the Nubians are, so he saw themselves as different. Now, um, so now that doesn't mean that there's no interaction with Africa. That's a whole another issue. Uh, the Nile is a is a huge um, connection. Uh, between the Egyptians and Africa, uh, especially Kush and then later Nubia, um, when we get to the Greeks and the romans it 's going to be with the with Ethiopia. there is a, always a connection to Africa um, in fact, the twenty fifth or twenty sixth dynasty is a Cushite, is a black African um, kingdom, and they were considered pharaohs they were they were they were you know pharaohs of Egypt, you know. so color didn 't matter um, if you go to northern Sudan with the ancient land of Kush, uh, they have pyramids, small pyramids, because um, they weren't as rich or had as much labor um, or as much stability or as much money as the Egyptians did. But you could see that there's obviously this cultural connection that the kings of Kush said, hey, the Egyptians have pyramids, we should have pyramids too. And so they built these these smaller personal pyramids. And, and so you have um, thousands of little pyramids, whereas in Uh, Egypt you have a couple hundred much much larger ones but the thing about so Egypt is in the northeastern corner of Africa so it's going to have a connection to Africa yes but it's also going to have a connection to Asia and to the other peoples of northern Africa especially the Libyans um to their east to their west excuse me that was embarrassing um the The Egyptians are going to have a major connection to the Libyans to their west and the what would have been called the Asiatics to the Mesopotamian peoples of the of their east Now they are surrounded unlike in Mesopotamia where everyone's going to be developing on this river and fight constantly in egypt there's two deserts. the first thing we have to talk about is the deserts. I know everyone talks about the river, but we have to talk about the deserts. There's the Sinai Desert to the east and the Libyan Desert to the west. Those deserts are extremely important because unlike in Mesopotamia, where the rivers and the geography connected all these people and actually allowed for a lot of war, the deserts of Egypt, the deserts that surround Egypt, are going to protect Egypt. Now, on the map, Egypt includes the deserts and the modern country of of Egypt includes the deserts, but not in the ancient world. The deserts were desert. They didn't really matter. There's nothing there. Um, Egypt equaled the Nile, the Delta and the Nile. But these two deserts kept people away. They're so dry that you would have needed A navy, if you wanted to invade Egypt, you would need a navy um, to bring water, to bring food. Um, They're pretty trackless. The Hebrew tradition is that the the Hebrews escaping Egypt wandered through the Sinai for 40 years. And while that's an apocryphal story, nobody wandered literally for 40 years, the idea is simply this is a huge trackless place that's easy to get lost in. That doesn't have a lot of food, doesn't have a lot of water. This is the manna from heaven. God will provide food and water. Um, But this is, you can see in the Moses Exodus story, there's just not much there. And so you're kind of insane if you want to cross it to get to Egypt. Um, It's why Palestine, what will become Roman Palestine, but what will become the kingdom David's kingdom of Israel um is is what's then called cana is the the land of milk and honey and you know for anyone who's ever been there it it's it's not you know but um but compared to the Sinai it definitely was better it was definitely compared to the Sinai it is the land of awesomeness and so um there's a Sinai desert the Libyan desert to the west kept out. Other northern African tribes, the Libyan tribes, now uh, like the Kush, Kushites. Later on, Libyan kings will will conquer Egypt and own it. But in the the early days, you know, we're talking three four thousand BC. There's um, just no way for these tribes to really cross the desert and invade Egypt. So the advantage is protection. The first advantage that we have to talk about is protection. They keep people out. They keep dangerous people out. The major disadvantage is it keeps people out. Um, We see very rapid development in Mesopotamia um, because of the interactions of people. We see this with Babylon. Babylon is constantly sucking people out and kicking and, and then shooting them back to where they came from. And... The big thing is, the disadvantage is it keeps people's ideas out. So Egypt is always going to be behind. Egypt will not have the horse. Egypt will not have the chariot. Egypt will not have the wheel. Egypt will not have a lot of the technological advances Mesopotamia will have. In fact, its written language will be later than Mesopotamia, than Sumerian. Um, In just about everything it does, it's behind... It's neighbors. Now, again, the advantage means it doesn't really matter for the most part. But when Egypt does come into contact later on with Mesopotamian peoples, that's going to be a problem, and it's going to have to catch up. And so the advantage is that it has the deserts to protect. The advantage of the deserts is protection. The disadvantage is it keeps out other ideas, technological, intellectual advancement. Now that doesn't, again, I'm not saying that the, the Egyptians are dumb people. They're obviously not. And in fact, their, st- their stability is going to allow the Egyptians to build on knowledge in a way other peoples won't. But it is also very clear that when they come into contact with Mesopotamians for the first time, they are quite behind. And that's a problem. The second geographic feature is the Nile. And the Nile is a big river. It is the second largest river in the world. It carries a lot of water. It's some 4,000 miles long. It is a big, big river. And it is navigable. I mean, you could put a boat on it for about 800 miles from northernmost Egypt the delta, where, where the Nile fans out, breaks up, and then reaches the Mediterranean, reaches the sea, to what is called the cataract, the first cataract. So from the sea to the cataract. Now, a cataract, we use this for people's eyes. It means a blockage. This is why we use it for people's eyes. It is a blockage. It actually, the word comes from, from Egypt. Uh, Probably from the Greeks, Um, but it comes from the the Nile, and the cataracts are a series of blockages in the Nile. Giant boulders, giant islands. I think one of them is a giant waterfall. What it does is, it if you're in a boat and you hit these cataracts, you stop. You 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 really it's very difficult to keep going. Armies don't really do it move very well. You're going to have to get everything out. Go on land, get some rollers, bring the boat past the cataracts, go back into the water. And so cataracts equal borders. This is a very important thing. Cataracts equal separation from people. Unlike the Tigris and the Euphrates, which start up in the mountains, the Tarsus Mountains, and go all the way down to the sea. Now, they're not the nicest of rivers, but you can get in a boat and go down it. The Nile has these blockages, and so those blockages create borders in the ancient world. So from north to south, you have about 800 miles. Then you have the first cataract, and that is the end of Egypt. Then you have a frontier land between the first and the second cataract where no one really owns it. And then the second cataract begins what you would consider Africa, Um, and that's going to be – Cush, and the third to the f- second to the third cataract is going to be Cush. The third to the fourth will be, I think, Nubia, um, the, with its capital at Napata. Um, Mero will be between the fifth and the sixth, another African kingdom later on, um, and they can spread across across these things. But you're going to see these borders pop up because. It's the movement of peoples. The cataracts hurt the movement of peoples. So they hurt ideas. They hurt trade. Um, Egypt is going to be so rich that it's always going to have – people are always going to come to it for, for trade. But they're very much kept at the borders. They're kept at near the cataract. They're kept at the delta. Very few travelers are going to go well into Egypt, to the middle of Egypt. Uh, unlike Mesopotamia, where Babylon is right in the middle of the rivers. You know, it's there to bring people together. That's, Egypt is quite the opposite. Um, So, there's a big river that is navigable. So it gives 800 miles from the delta to the cataract, and that will be Egypt. That will create Egypt. That will create a unity. If you're going to be a king, you need to own. If you're going to be a pharaoh, you need to own that from the cataract to the delta, from the delta to the cataract. The first one who will do it will be Zozer, and he will start the third dynasty. Um, before that, you had a bunch of what's called the, the I believe it's the archaic period where you had a bunch of noblemen all finding each other out and then they coalesced into two kingdoms the, the, the upper and the lower the northern well it would be the southern and the northern because the upper is the, the, you have to understand the Egyptians think of geography in terms of the river so rivers flow downhill so up would be south while low would be north because they're looking at the river not at a map but the idea was those those nobility call fought each other they coalesced into two kingdoms the upper and the lower kingdom and then Zoser combined those connected those two and from this point on Egypt is one going to take off it's going to go from um, you know almost you know barely out of the Neolithic villages to if not the richest place on earth Really? I mean, if you talk to the, the Greeks or the Romans or even um, even Babylonians would say the, the Egyptians are pretty rich. I mean, it is going to be so – in this class, you should just consider Egypt the richest place on earth. Not always the most advanced, but usually the richest. Now, so we have a river. It's a big river. It is navigable for 800 miles or 900 miles, which creates Egypt, creates unity. It creates a beginning and an end. So kings can own that, and they will. That creates a unity that everybody in it will say, I am part of this. I am under this king. We all have the same laws. We have the same gods. We have the same everything. That doesn't exist in Mesopotamia. Every city was more or less on their own, and all the different peoples who spoke their different languages were on their own. So there's a lot of of, um, heterogeneous... Um, culture in Mesopotamia. We see this in Babylon, right? It's a cosmopolitan place. Egypt is much more unified, much more homogeneous, much more one people. Now, why is Egypt rich? Well, again, it's because of the Nile. And the Nile floods for three months every year. Now, that sounds terrible. That sounds awful. How could that be good? Well, there's two reasons. The first is is that the flooding brings up all the silt and all the dead stuff and all the it basically is fertilizer, and it dumps it on the floodplain of the Nile. And that makes the land of Egypt. That's not desert. The Nile, basically, where the Nile floods is, you can live. And if you go to Google Maps and type in Egypt and then take a look at the Nile, and then zoom all the way in you'll see where the irrigated land ends and the desert begins. The desert goes right up to where there's water. And then there's green, lush land from that point to the river. So it's a river, green, 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 and green. And where the water stops, whether it's irrigated or it's flooded, but at this point it's mostly irrigated because they have a giant dam up. But in the ancient world it would have been flooded. It's green. And then it stops, and the desert, the dead, dead, dead desert begins. And so people lived in this narrow strip. If you look at, if you type in um, Egypt um, satellite, Egypt at night, take a look at where the lights are, and you'll see there's a whole string of lights. And you can see right there. You'll see the string of lights, and then you'll go, that's the Nile, that's the Delta, and then on either side is nothing. There's nobody. There's very few lights. At night, so people lived in a very narrow strip in the floodplain of the Nile, because that's where you could that the flood created dropped very um, fertile land that you could farm and get a lot out of it. And so Egyptians were able to get three to five harvests a year out of the land, whereas in Mesopotamia you were lucky to get one. Which meant um, the average Egyptian, the average Egyptian farmer was three to five times richer than the average Mesopotamian. It allowed Egyptians to make more money because they would have a harvest. You have to eat one harvest. That's you and your family have to eat that. But let's say you get three harvests in a year. Well, you eat one, you save one, and then you could still sell one. So, what that allows for is even when things might not go so well, and there are there are the occasional times when you get the year you get years of plenty and then years of not plenty, um, even in those times, you still had a fallback, a savings that you could dip into. so Egyptians are much less likely to starve than Mesopotamians so Egyptians' views on life. Are much more positive, and it's simply because they're wealthier. They, life is good for the Egyptians. We see this in their afterlife. Um, the Egyptians don't have a heaven, like the Christians will eventually create this, this paradise where everything is better. But you were basically, in the afterlife, you were what you were. You know, when you died, you woke up, and you got to be, you, you You got judged, yes, and then you got into the afterlife, and you got to be what you were. So this is why it's good for pharaohs, right? Pharaohs get to be pharaohs in the ancient world, in the afterlife. But for regular people who eventually start to get into the afterlife, it's still like, well, life was good as a farmer, so I'm going to be a farmer. That's awesome. You know? So... That tells you that the Egyptians liked their lives. And it makes sense. They're wealthier than other people. They had savings. They, could, they had more to invest than Mesopotamian peoples did. So they had three to five harvests. So that's one. So river floods, and one reason why that's a good thing is it produces these three to five harvests because of the fertility of the land. The second thing is that it was predictable. It happened every year at the same time. In the kind of summer months, June to September, it happened. You knew it was going to happen, and that that's very, very important. That's different from the floods in Mesopotamia, which happened at irregular times. They were hard to predict. You didn't know what to do. And then suddenly it flooded. Whereas in Egypt... You, there is a there's this they didn't have seasons the way you would think of seasons like winter and fall and and summer they had the flood season and the dry season. Remember, it also doesn't rain in Egypt. The river, the the reason why um, the Nile floods is because the Lake Victoria and the feeder rivers get hit with the monsoons that are coming off the Indian Ocean that dump a lot of water onto Central Africa. Um, they feed into Lake Victoria and into the feeder rivers of the Nile, and then those push a lot of water. So the, so the whole thing is, is fairly flooded. Um, so it's not a surprise that we do see major civilizations all the way down kind of the river. Um, we see a Kush. We see a Nubia. We see uh, Ethiopia. Um, these people, the Moreau, these, these places that are, are on the rivers, they're all going to benefit in, the, in, in more or less the same way. Um, but the idea is it's predictable. And if it's predictable, you can plan for it. And if you can plan for it, you're ready. It's not, a, it's not a problem. You can actually use it as an advantage. So whereas the floods in Mesopotamia were dangerous and scary, the flood was looked forward to in Egypt so, you know, if everything's going to be on 10 feet in the water, you build your house 11 feet in the air. Um, you could build dikes and water diversions and ways of directing the water onto the fields. Um, now, that's going to take a lot of government money as well, but that's what ferals will do is is these kind of things to both improve the economy and help people's lives. So... Floods were a good thing for Egypt. They were predictable. You knew when they were going to happen. You could prepare for them, and you could use them. So so to sum up, we have a couple things for Egyptian geography. The first is we have the deserts, um, the Sinai in the east, the Libyan in the west. The advantage of those were they kept people out. They kept bad people out. Okay. Um, the disadvantage is it kept people's ideas out. It kept good people out. Um, there's always a connection to to people, but it's never the interaction, say, Babylon has. Then there's the Nile. Um, the Nile is the big river. It creates borders. It's, it's breakup, and then cataracts create borders. Um, its floods create wealth. The Egyptians are wealthier than people, which creates a Egyptian concept of the cosmos as a nice place, as a good place. Um, the floods were predictable and brought more wealth with them. So that's where we stand on Egyptian geography. We're going to see what happens with its politics in the next lecture. Thank you.